0: I was not proud of what I had learned, but I never doubted that it was worth knowing. Hunter S. Thompson
1: Welcome to the Managing Editor Show. I'm Jess. And I'm Alyssa. Every Tuesday morning we jump into your earbuds to talk the down and dirty on all things writing, editing, and content from
0: the perspective of the guardians of the publishing galaxy, the folks who approve your submissions and make your words not suck.
1: That's us. (laughs) Alyssa, did you have anything in your inboxes this week that brought a smile to your face? (laughs) Always, always, but in this case, I actually
0: had a great submission from a writer named Jonathan Baraka, uh, who had been through a blogging course on one of our client sites, and he had learned so much from the course and liked the site, and so he wanted to submit a new post. And since he's just starting out and hadn't written for many sites, he sent us a note to let us know that he had just sent in a submission. And it said, I've just filled out a submission to write a post. Let me mention that I've recently been through your great, in parentheses, blogging course. And I'm looking to get my writing published to the development community. Anyway, if you need more information or if I can do anything to make your review easier, just let me know. And I really appreciate when people do things like that about a submission. You know, it told me that he's new to this process, maybe give his his work a little bit more consideration, and that he'd be willing to work with us to get it up to the point that it was able to be publishable. Like... He acknowledged that he was just starting out. He was willing to put in the time, but he was really excited about our brand and
1: wanted to be part of it. That's so sweet. I love that too. It really, just showing some humility when you're submitting something and not having this pompous attitude to your editors goes a long way. So that's great. Another thing I'm excited about this week is more five-star reviews. Thank (laughs) you. This week, we've got one from Marisa Abroad over on iTunes. And she says that... (laughs) uh you've got great insights with the right amount of snark if you're a writer you know how challenging how it can be to work with editors here they dish out how to get more out of the relationship while keeping it real and having fun get insights from two of the best editors around the internets Alyssa and jess yeah so if you would like to please leave us a review on itunes stitcher or wherever get your podcast we'll give you a shout out on the air and we'll share your joke if we love it and really we just appreciate it so 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 much it does so much for us so don't hesitate write a review thank you very much (laughs) and now on to the scheduled part of our program that's right
0: This week, we wanted to give you uh, an example of a pretty vicious uh, rejection letter that comes from a famous editor that some people don't realize was an editor before he was a writer. So, Hunter S. Thompson actually worked at Rolling Stone as an editor in the 60s and 70s. And I should note now if you think we get into not suitable for work talk when it's just Jess and I, Uh, the following letter of rejection has nothing on anything that we've ever said. (laughs) Winner has forwarded your useless letter from Rome to the National Affairs desk for my examination and or reply. Unfortunately, we have no international gibberish desk, or it would have ended up there. What kind of lame, half-mad bullshit are you trying to sneak over on us, When Rolling Stone asks for a think piece, goddammit, we want a fucking think piece. And don't try to weasel out with any of your limey bullshit about a 50,000-word novella on the condition humane, etc. Do you take us for a gang of brainless lizards? Rich hoodlums? Dilettante thugs? You lazy cocksucker. I want that think piece on my desk by Labor Day, and I want it ready for press. The time has come and gone when cheap jack scum like you can get away with the kind of scams you got rich from in the past. Get your worthless ass out of the piazza and back to the typewriter. Your type is a dime a dozen around here, and I'm fucked if I'm going to stand for it any longer.
1: What?
0: I feel like fireworks are supposed to explode or something when you finish that. Beyond, like, the mic drop, there should be, like, an explosion with, like, kittens walking away from it or something. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So what's interesting to note here is that Thompson is writing this letter to an author named Anthony Burgess who was commissioned to write a foreign correspondent piece on his experiences living in Rome for Rolling Stone. Burgess kind of wasn't able to get the article written uh, reasons, you know, writer's block having no fucking desire to write a travel think piece about living abroad in Rome. We don't know the exact reasons. Uh, Instead, Burgess offered an alternative that he had been working on, which is what Thompson is so kindly declining in this piece. So kindly. Uh, The piece that Burgess wrote went on decades later to be rewritten and published in this completely trashy little rag called The New Yorker uh, as The Clockwork Condition, and it's widely recognized now as a how-to for writers that explains Burgess's inspiration and process for writing his best-selling novel, which is where many of you may have heard his name before. He is the author of A Clockwork Orange. So we'll have the link to the article in the show notes for you interested in reading it. But as you can see, he he wasn't some low fish writer ingrate who was just running around dude actually did some shit and
1: that's how hunter s thompson treated him yeah i i love this example because what it shows us is is what we were just talking about earlier that writers are not always right um it's so much more than just whether or not a piece is good, quote unquote. There are so many different metrics for success and quality. And a lot of it is very subjective. And this is a perfect example of that. You know, maybe it wasn't right for Hunter S. Thompson in that moment. He was pissed off because he asked for one thing and got something else. But, uh, but then, (laughs) you know, it turned out to be something really amazing for another context. And, you know what's so amazing about this to me, all content aside is that he actually sat down and wrote this right. all out for Burgess. like like what did he look like sitting <laughs> in front of that typewriter, just like pounding the keys and just like so angry, like steam coming out of his ears? I just I, I love that that vision. Um, he he clearly really wanted Burgess to get a piece of his mind um, <laughs> and that's putting it lightly. I mean, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we have never sent a rejection letter like this, but sometimes I think that it can be important for your people to hear what you're really thinking about stuff. Maybe not quite in this way, but if you're being paid to do something especially, you know, come on. I mean, And again, we don't know the whole reason behind why he sent something different than he promised, but... You've got to have an explanation, and I think that goes for anything that you do. If you're working with an editor, you're promising something, you say that you're gonna do something in, about a certain thing at a certain time. You know, If you come to me and say, if I was expecting, for example, a piece on you know data analysis and how to use it for lead mining or something, and then you come back to me and you say, you know what, I, I got this spur of inspiration, and I really wanted to write about this instead, and it's super on on trend right now, it'll be really good for your audience, great. But if I'm twiddling my thumbs waiting for something and it's past the deadline and you send me something completely else, you know, I might have words like you lazy cocksucker. You never know. So (laughs) The number
0: of times a day I think that exact phrase. Uh, I think you're so right, Jess. I think, you know, Thompson obviously missed out on the opportunity for this, this article that actually ended up becoming decades later, I should note, it was like 30 years later when the New Yorker picked it up, but ended up being a killer piece from Burgess. But what we don't see is what's going on behind the scenes. In the editorial room, you know, maybe Rolling Stone was doing an issue on expats in the 60s and 70s. Or maybe they were focusing the entire issue on Italian culture for the features. You know, we don't know what he was looking for. And he may have needed that piece to fulfill an order for getting the magazine out. You know, it's also possible he's just being a dick. But it's very possible that it was something more and Burgess, you know, could have written like Pulitzer Prize worthy article and it wouldn't have gotten into this particular piece and Thompson may have been as pissed off as he was. Because Thompson needed the Italy piece right now for what was coming up in the editorial calendar. And he would have been happy to publish the Pulitzer Prize piece later. But he needed the fucking Italian piece yesterday. Right.
1: Right. and I think that's a great point. It goes back to our recommendation for people who are working with editors to always ask, you know, if you have that relationship with an editor and you are trying to be useful, which we (laughs) hope that you always are, you know, and you're thinking, you know, I have this idea, but I'm not sure. Like, just ask and maybe say, hey, you know, Is this something that's gonna work for you? Is this something that I could work on in the future if not today? Because uh, you you can't ever assume, you know what they say about assume, (laughs) right? You can't assume that your piece is gonna fit in or that you know everything that your editor is gonna want or that their audience is gonna want. I mean, there's just so much work and so much planning that goes into them. So just ask. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I I think that there is also room for potentially giving some negative feedback. Maybe not quite in this exact way. You know, maybe... Try using the sandwich approach, as my boyfriend likes to call it. He's a a teacher, and he teaches young kids. And he's got to tell them, you know, that they're being idiots sometimes. But when he can say it in the way that's like, hey, you know, you were really good at this. This other thing didn't work out so well. But this thing also was really good. You know, then they can really hear the feedback as opposed to just being, you know. I mean, can you imagine what Burgess must have felt when he received this (laughs) This letter, like, oh my gosh, I, I, I just can't. And this was like, this was a different time too. So a lot of things were were different. It's not like he could just send him an email back, right? And be like, fuck you, you know. If you're the writer, you you should consider receiving this kind of feedback and. And taking it to heart if you want or not. But, it, you know, remember that it could make you a better writer and make you think about what you're doing in the future.
0: Yeah, I think, like, let's be real. If if you get a letter like that from an editor, like, that's written in those terms and vocabulary, It's also kind of acceptable, I think, to just, you know, not reply, like, circularly file that after reading it out loud to some trusted friends over a happy hour bourbon, (laughs) because honestly, only people like Hunter S. Thompson can get away with this shit. And only in an age, like you said, before digital correspondence was a thing, when everyone you know, if if we sent something like this now that would get blasted all over social media so fast and spread like wildfire. It would be
1: insane. Yeah, I actually, now that you're saying that, I kind of want to do it just to see what would happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, would we get fired or would we just be like heroes? (laughs) I could just say, well, Hunter S. Thompson did it. Look at him. He was totally successful. And actually, I think a video rejection now that we're in the age of interactive content and video, that would be hilarious. And so then the person could actually see you yelling at your computer screen because <laughs> you know that you're doing that anyway It'll be like the devil wears lululemon while she bitches you out on video <laughs> that's our next podcast alright I
0: love it I love it that's <laughs> oh man now I really want to do it
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey the options are endless
0: this is true you know maybe keep an eye out on the feeds folks you never know what you're going to say so I think in this example, uh, Thompson's obviously expecting one thing and got another, and I think we can both agree he was a little upset about that. Uh, so uh, just a little, yeah. You know, big lesson here: if you have your heart set on getting published on a particular site or in a specific publication, you know, I, I'm sure Burgess, like he seemed to have done all right for himself going forward. but you know, having a relationship with Rolling Stone is is a pretty nice feather in a cap for a lot of writers. Uh, you know, do what the editor asks of you. Like that's simple. Just build the relationship. Like you said, write the article they need right now. And then pitch them your Pulitzer Prize article you want to write about, because if you've proven to them that you're a commodity, that you are someone that helps them, that you're someone who puts together great shit for their publication... They're going to welcome whatever you do with open arms because you're known and you're
1: proven. Amen, sister. The angels are singing right now.
0: (laughs) As they've like been plugging their ears for the past 10 minutes of this discussion being like, my
1: ears, they're burning. Eh, they'll be fine. So what are you excited about, Alyssa, this week in terms of tools, software, anything that you're using that you love?
0: Yeah, well, speaking of social media, I, I like social media. I understand that a lot of people are beginning to consider it kind of a noise distraction, but one of the ways that I kind of... I'm able to temper it a lot more is by being very organized about how I take in my social media. So I use TweetDeck for Twitter. Um, I don't use it for scheduling. I use it to control my own Twitter consumption Uh, because what you can do is you can actually follow like your own mentions, direct mentions for various brands or other things you're trying to watch, URL mentions, folks who tag you things like that. But you can also follow the lists that Twitter has. And I really feel like enough people don't use lists in Twitter. How I get probably 40 to 50% of the articles that I read every week, it's where we pull a lot of the information that Erica on my team at Crafter Content then curates to send out in our streams to keep people up to date on like really cool things that are happening and publishing and content and marketing and that sort of thing. And I'm able to do it in like 20 to 25 minutes a day. And that's all it takes. It's tweetdeck.twitter.com. You just go in, load in the list that you've created in Twitter. So there may be like an hour of kind of back work you have to do to set everything up. But then going forward, you just check into Twitter, you know, once a day for 20-25 minutes, you can get extremely curated information for the exact interests that you want and making sure that you're able to, like, get back to your non-time-sensitive... Social media mentions and requests and different things like that.
1: I love that. I used to use TweetDeck when it was the application before it was uh, acquired, and I always really liked it when I first used it. And and yeah, it's not that much different now, except I am annoyed that they don't have an application anymore. So, yeah, anyone's listening, <laughs> bring that back. Twitter,
0: stop with like the schedule posts and everything else. Let us edit and put TweetDeck oh, in my an gosh. app, like. That's all we
1: ask. Yes, please. Jack,
0: if you're listening. Yes.
1: (laughs) Jack. (laughs) I know you are. (laughs) I love that. I also, the thing that I use TweetDeck for that I love is when I'm at events or when I'm following a certain hashtag, I love the columns. um, So I can have like my mentions and my DMs and the hashtag conversation all in one line so I can follow everything at once. Cool. Thank you for sharing that, Alyssa. And thank you for sharing this letter from Hunter S. Thompson. It was amazing. It personally made me feel so much better about sometimes I'm like, it's not a good fit. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's like go <laughs> die in a fire, seriously. Yes, yes, yes. But more importantly, what we can take away from this is that If you are going to work on a piece and your editor is expecting it, please send that to them. Or if you're not going to and you've been sparked with some other sort of inspiration for another piece, let them know. And let them know in advance so that they can plan for that instead or push back and say, you know what, actually, we really need the piece that we paid you for. Please deliver it by Labor Day Or I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is.
0: And make sure to check out next week's episode where we've got a request from a listener. Uh, And we're going to be talking about kind of the flip side of the managing editor gig and some of the ways that we've seen for founders and CEOs to work with these folks Uh, meaning managing editors and content managers, to get the best results
1: for quality and consistency on their sites. So if you want the show notes, links, and resources, especially a copy of this lovely rejection letter, (laughs) (laughs) check out the show notes at the themanagingeditorshow.com slash episode 10. And this is the time where we want to give a little shout out here to our fabulous producer Chris Gordon. (laughs) He helps us write the show notes. He He's awesome I have never met him but Alyssa knows him and I really am excited to meet him because I'm really happy with what he's done with the show so far I'm mostly just happy that I don't have to do it because <laughs> I do Great. it for so many other shows and it's nice to be able to just be the talent and have him do the rest so thank you Chris we love you <laughs> absolutely
0: and if you have questions or ideas to contribute head to the managing editor show to leave us a voice message Or just send us an email at hi at editorshow.com. Who knows? We may be giving you a shout out on a later episode when we discuss your brilliant idea for content. Bye.